Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Special moments in the glorious career of Alan King, trading since 99, 1,600 winners and counting. It's been a special time, hasn't it? It's gone very well. It's gone very quickly as mm. well, Nick. Um, quite frightening how the years pass, but uh, now we've had a lot of fun along the way. Just when you were watching that montage there, Primitivo winning at, at Royal Ascot, it puts you in an elite band of trainers who've had success at Royal Ascot and at the Cheltenham Festival, and you said that meant as, as much as any of them. Well, Royal Ascot's been one of my favourite, is one of the favourite weeks of, of the year for me. I've been going probably for about 30 years. David Nicholson took me when I was still assistant, and I, I just absolutely, I've always loved good flat racing. Um, I never thought I'd have a winner there, but it was, it was a special, special moment. And he's now in Hong Kong. He is. He's and still um, doing quite well. Gold Mount. I think Gold he's Mount. Doing. He's now called. Um, he's won a Group Three. He's been placed in one or two Group Ones, and he's done very well. Yeah. But a very special day. You mentioned David Nicholson. <clears throat> you were assistant to him, essentially for the first part of your your adult life, and and then you took over the reins, and then you moved to to Barbary Castle. We talked to Henry Daly about the extent to which he had to step out of the shadows of being the guy that used to work for Tim Forster. When did you sort of feel that you you? stop becoming the guy that used to be assistant trainer to David Nicholson because he was such a towering figure. Exactly, you know, he was twice champion and um, I suppose it, it, when, we, when we left Jackdaws, I trained there for six months and um, had to move on or moved on to Barbary and, you know, we're 20, I think we had 24 horses when I started and so you, you, we were out in a row but we spoke every day. Uh, there wasn't a day going pa gone past that we, we wouldn't have spoken at some stage and when he was at his best is probably when we had a really bad day, you know, two or three favourites had got beaten and I would be very down and he could always lift you on the way back, you know, you'd give him a call on the way home in the car. and It meant an awful lot. Sort of to, to outsiders, he had this reputation of being quite a terrifying figure, but it, it always struck me how the people who worked for him worked for him for a long, long time. They sort of engendered an enormous loyalty in that team of people. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when he retired, um, he had a lovely cottage up in the Cotswolds near um, Stone the World. And, you know, we call on the way back from Warwick. And I know Dickie Johnson and Robert Thornton and people would... Uh, would always call in and see him from time to time, and he absolutely adored that, you know. He followed their careers right the way through, and, you know, we still miss him. And you still get that feeling from all of those guys, when I was at the Dukes, when I was at the Dukes. It was obviously a, a good group of you at the time, similar ages, similar stages of life, and you, you, you sort of kept that camaraderie going. Very much so, yeah. You know, 
that's obviously Dick Easter's mentioned and Chalk and um, Warren Marsden was there and Mark White, my travelling head lad, you know, so we worked together there. Um, right the way through, you know, Gordon Clarkson and a real good group and uh, everyone had our moments with him, you know, I'm not saying it was all a bed of roses, but, uh, you know, we, we were, he was very loyal and it's something you don't forget. So what was the culture? What was the culture like there? Oh, you had to graft. Manners. Um, he wanted everything very tidy. I mean, don't ever pull out with dirty boots or anything like that. You were sent back in and he set the standards. And uh, I think that's what's lacking in a lot of places today, you know, in life in general today. But And is that something that you've tried to carry on? Is there a, a bit of the old school in you, even though you're not that old? I'd like to think so. Um, I mean, God forbid anyone pulls out with shavings and a horse's tail because they're sent straight back. Just little things. I like the horses pulled out smart and, and very rarely happens. You know, it, it's, uh, it's hopefully done properly. We wouldn't do the, the, the evening stables like um, the old days, you know. But I, I, don't, I don't stand them up or anything like that. I'll, I'll try and go around maybe once a week and just check the legs. And, but that's, the old days used to stand up. It would take, take hours. And each horse was looked at with the rugs off and given a couple of carrots and... You know, you were finishing at half past six, quarter to seven some nights, but um, I don't think you get away with that now. What's your fondest memory of, of your time as assistant to, to the Duke? <sighs> Difficult question, really. We had some marvellous days, I suppose. Um, uh, charter party winning a gold cup was very special, and some of the, some of the days with the old Viking flagship as well, you know. Uh, I think the race at Aintree. Oh, yeah. The only person that thought he'd won was Adrian Maguire. And uh, when he sat to weigh in and the freeze frame came up, I think Adrian changed colour. <laughs> it was very tight. I think it was a nose. You could they probably didn't have a nose in those days, but it was very tight. You really couldn't tell it. It no. was him, deep sensation. And the third wasn't far off, Martha's son. Martha's son, yeah. It was a tremendous horse race. Three great champion chases mm. jumping, jumping the last fence. You said about moving to Barbary Castle with just the, the, the 24 horses. Did you think at that point, right, I'm on my own now, I... Uh, did you have the confidence within you to think that you could make it to where you where you ended up making it? I don't know. I was just probably stubborn enough that we had to have a go. But I mean, you know, Rich and I left Henry. My son was only six months old at the time. We had no money. Um, two owners uh, lent me uh, twenty five thousand. Weatherby's bank gave me an overdraft, and we had to start from scratch and buy head collars. You can imagine just mm. setting up and. Uh, Anyway, it seemed to go very well. We got a few winners on the board and numbers, I, I, I don't know why it happened, but the numbers really did take off. And there were 50, 52 boxes, I think, when I arrived and we've got 130 now. And that happened all pretty, pretty rapidly? Pretty rapidly, within two or three years, yeah. And did you just get the feeling that you were somebody that people wanted to be involved with, wanted to have horses in training with, you were at the right stage of your life, you were young, you had a young family, you were sort of go yeah, forward? Yeah, I think if, if any, any young trainer that starts and gets a bit of success, they will get supported. And there's a lot of, I'm not training for a lot of the people that did send me horses then. There's a lot of people who will go to a new, new trainer, you know, uh, and we filled up that way. And uh, fortunately, we managed to keep the numbers up, really. And I remember Paul Nichols each and every season used to put the hex on you by saying, oh, Alan King will definitely be my biggest danger for champion trader. You're wincing at, at me reminding you of that. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, um, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But he, yeah, he sort of nobbled me a bit, didn't he? Did you still have aspirations? Do you still have aspirations to be champion trader? Or no. Is, no. No. Um, especially now because we, you know, we, we probably weaken the hand a little bit that, you know, we've now got 50, 60 flat horses. And, I enjoy that, and it's very good. I mean, it's mainly, mainly from a business point of view that um, that's how the flat horses started. I mean, I when I went to Barbary, Jim Brown, who was a great old owner of the Dukes and supporter of mine, and he was an accountant, and 
he'd done a bit of work looking after Charlie Mann training and he said right how many summer jumpers are you going to have and I said well I'm not going to have any because the Duke never had summer jumpers well he said you're going to have to do something and I had no idea about profit and loss accounts and spreadsheets and that's when the flat started and we bought three two-year-olds or a yearling and two two-year-olds and I mean they turned out to be superstars really I mean all three of them were very successful um, Howell Hill won as a tour at Newmarket he won at Ascot at three was fifth in the Triumph. Trouble at Bay won five juvenile hurdles, was favourite for the Triumph mm -hmm. hurdle. And the third one, Sal Salina, really, he was the best of the three and was actually favourite for the e-ball and finished fourth. But it was only to try and keep something going through the summer to bring a bit of income in. Uh, and you soon learn when you're running your own business that you, you need to do something like that. I mean, how important is, is having some financial acumen relative to, to actually knowing how to how to train a four-legged animal to run fast? Oh, I think very importantly, and, and we've got, we've, I've got a very good accountant, Mike O'Neill, who's a good friend as well now, and basically by the sort of third week of the following month, I know how much we've made or lost the month before, mm. and you know, you can just tighten up if something's out of kilter, you know? Uh, I think very important, and I, I know as much as I love this job, I wouldn't be doing it if I wasn't making some money. It, Scotsman coming out of me, probably. <laughs> is, it, is that always in your temperament? You say the Scotsman coming out in me. Well, you've always been quite careful like that. I think so, yeah. You know, we started with nothing, so it's nice to have a few quid and look after the family, which are very important to me, you know. Um, I think that's been a huge part of the success we've had, that I've always had a very good, great wife that's very supportive and two smashing kids. And uh, even when things are going badly, I can usually switch off at night. I've never answered the phone after six o'clock, ever. Um, and I think it helps you. How do you unwind? Because it's so all-consuming, and now you're going to be training probably some pretty high-class flat horses as well as a lot of top-class jumpers. Where's the, where does the off switch come? I know you say you can relax at night. Well, yeah, switch off at night and enjoy a good meal and a bottle of wine. And I'm very, I like to get to bed early as well. I mean, I've been bed at half eight, nine o'clock most nights. Um, we do a fair bit of shooting through the winter, which is great fun. Um, but I've... Someone just told me that they actually you really don't like sport. I've I've lost track of just about any other sport now. I've never watched football, don't watch rugby, and used to watch a fair bit of the darts, and even <laughs> given that up now. But is that just because racing so all-consuming that you just haven't got time for it, or things get in the way? I or? think so. I mean, it's, there's so much of it now, and even a lot of racing, I, you, you can't keep track of it. You know, ten years ago, you would know exactly who was training winners, who was riding them. No, you really haven't got an idea. It's it's just wall to wall, and I, I don't think it's better for the, great for the sport. But there we are. That's where we are in this day and age. You mentioned your family. Your, now your daughter rode the winner of the charity race at Epsom. She did not yeah. so long ago, and she not <coughs> long past her sixteenth birthday, had she? Uh, not long, no. So she just started A levels. Um, she's riding out three mornings a week for me in the week. The school's been very good actually. That she. I think Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, she doesn't have to be in until sort of 9.30, so she can do one lot. Oh, that sounds she fantastic. She ran three lots yesterday, but she's back to her other sort of hobby, the, the eventing today. But um, I'll probably try and see if we get her a lady amateur licence for next year. Uh, how much pride do you feel uh, the way her career is unfolding? Because she, was, she rode as an individual, didn't she, in the, in the pony championships? Is that yeah, right? the, the, the European the, championships The European pony championships, yeah, she was there. Uh, so no, we went up to Bev. Um, it was near Beverly, and no, very proud. Um, but I think she's she's got the racing bug now. 
Not that mother's too happy about that, but there we are. It looks like you might have won that that battle. I haven't tried. I'm just look. I just go along with it and try and keep both of them happy. But would you be ha would you be happy if she pursued as a career as a jockey? Yeah, not as long as it's not over jumps. I would be petrified. Well, you look at the the female jockeys now doing. Oh, doing well wonderfully jumps, well. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not sure my nerves could take uh, watching my own daughter going round over fences. How do your nerves take a? a high-profile day's racing. How do your nerves take a Cheltenham Festival day or a big day when you've got lots of important runners and lots of owners to look after? Um, probably better than it used to be. Um, I think the more, obviously, if you've got favour. I'm probably worse if I go to one of the small tracks and I've got a three-to-one on favourite or four-to-one on. That's because you know that anything less than a win is, mm. a, is a failure. So, um, But I think we're better than we used to be now. So, yeah. It always struck me, sort of watching you, say, 10, 12 years ago, you, you were someone who put a lot of pressure on yourself. You would take things quite to heart. Mm. Probably that, slightly better now. Is that a fair assessment of those times? I think you grew up and just yeah. I think a few years ago I was dreadful. Um, you didn't want to get anywhere near me after one had got beaten. But then of course you have to look after your owners at the same time. Yeah, but I've so. usually had about five minutes to walk away. I never watch a race with owners um, and keep counting to ten till we try and calm down a little bit. There'll be a few laughing if they're watching this that. It doesn't always work. Who, who might... No, certain owners that have been on the receiving end. That... <laughs> <laughs> but you've done very well, in which case, to keep revivifying, to keep owners, to keep owners coming in. It's not, you know, as you say, you get your fly-by-night guys who come in at the beginning of your career and they're there for five minutes and then they're off to the next guy and the next younger person and then... Yeah, but I think nowadays that, you know, a lot of them have been with me for a long, long time and we're good friends as much as anything. Um, you enjoy their company and... and um, I think you do a better job if you are friends as well, because you're not frightened to pick up the phone and say, look, I'd just like to give this horse another week or two, or we've had a problem, and, you know, uh, they're, they're, we've got very close, and, you know, I mean, the fields, and this is Prouting, and people, you know, they've been with me from day one, and it means a lot. And you've had some terrific success as well, particularly at, at Cheltenham, and there was a sort of golden run that you had, particularly with that with Chalk Thornton, your former, former stable jockey, and just looking at that montage at the beginning, I thought, caught sight of catch it and I thought I wonder if a horse like that could ever win the champion hurdle it was so unusual a horse that's so diminutive whose whose heart massively transcended his, his natural ability of which he had some but not perhaps as much as others yeah and he just loved his jumping but he, I mean he's only a five-year-old as well which doesn't happen very often but if you if you go back to the year before his triumph my goodness he was very impressive you know um, but he was just a, from the moment we first schooled him he, he loved it and um, I remember we, we debuted him at Market Raisin in September, and it was quite a valuable race, more than it is now, I think. And he duly won that. I thought, well, that's the job done, really. But he, um, he just kept improving. And I, I, I felt that, yeah, I had one or two better juveniles than him, but they went by the wayside, and um, he just, he was only beaten once that year, and mm. Degas Art beat him at Weatherby, and he just got better and better. And he just gave you everything? Everything. And came back for more, you know. You had a very special. You you had a very. It seemed to me you talked about loyalty earlier on with the Duke and his jockeys. You seemed to have a very close relationship with with Robert Thornton, Chuck Thornton. Um, what was it about him that you enjoyed, and and what was it about your working relationship that sustained it for so long? I don't know. I mean, we used to hate one another when I was assistant, and, Duke, and Chuck was very successful as a kid. I mean, he was champion amateur, then followed up the champion conditional. Um, he probably hadn't a great work ethic in the yard at that age, and I was be always chiving him, but. Um, um, I remember when I'd gone to Barbie and I was using the sort of best available, either Richard Johnson or 
or whoever, and it got quite difficult. You think you'd, you'd, you'd have someone booked, and then at 10 o'clock, um, Dave Roberts would ring and say, no, you haven't got him, and it was driving me mad. So Chalk started to ride more for me that season, and uh, I'll never forget picking up the racing post, and, and uh, Kim Bailey had signed him, and I thought, oh, I cannot believe I'd let him go. Anyway, it didn't work out terribly well with Kim, and the following year he came and joined me, and we were together for the next, I think, 12 or 13 years. Then he liked you a bit more after that. Oh, yeah, we got on great. <laughs> we still do, you know. He's um, he's managing the stud for Paul Dunkley, and um, I mean, it's mainly flat horses. We've got mm. one jumper. We, we've got, um, we're going to have a few nice flat horses from next year, including a Galileo filly. So I speak to him when the horses are in every Monday morning, and uh, he's down the odd time. So it's great that we still see a lot of him. And what would you rate as your best day together? I suppose that's pretty high up. But. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, catch it there, I suppose. Um, I think the one that gave me most satisfaction was my way winning the Arkle. Um, there was quite a lot of pressure on that. He'd won the World Hurdle the year before, the Stairs Hurdle, and we got quite a bit of abuse that yeah. I didn't know what I was doing and there's no way he should drop back to two miles. So I think relief as much as anything when we did get it right. Um, he was a very, very good horse, high-class horse on his day, probably the best I've trained. I remember that was the sort of first time I felt that the, the Cheltenham preview circuit industry was really starting to take off and there'd be people that were forced into these ridiculous binary positions over, over horses. That, mm. And at the end, uh, uh, people forced into the, the very strong views of my way to Solzen became my way to Slozen and various other ridiculous things like that. So, that, yeah, I, do, do, does that sort of stuff bother you? Um... A little bit. I mean, I, I, I think the fun's gone out of the, the, the Cheltenham preview night. So it, when we first started, there wasn't all the social media. And you, you could have a bit of banter and say something fairly rude about mm. a horse and you get away with it. <laughs> but now you're completely slated if you do it. So, and if, I find if it's just solely form, it's so boring. I mean, I mm. think I do one a year. And um, that's John Sweeney, who's a great, an older and a great mate. I do his, and I just can't be bothered to do the others anymore. Far too serious, and you can't you can't have a little bit of a fun, you know. Do you think we don't take the Mickey out of each other enough as a as a group of people? I think we should be able to do it, but now you get completely hammered on. I believe not that I'm on social media, but they tell me you get dreadful slating if you're rude about anyone or anything. Do, do you deliberately keep yourself away from social media and away from those sort of oh, associations? I, kill, I want to kill someone. I mean, I, I, <laughs> it, it's very sad in a way, but I mean, we don't get social media, but, and, and Charlotte, my, my PA, is very good, but we, I, we get some awful emails. I mean, death threats and hope you die, mm. hope your children are ill, and I thought, this is ridiculous, so I'm better not to see it because it really does upset me. We talked about this a little bit last week, actually, with Oliver and, and Henry Daly brought it up. <clears> the same thing. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you what you do about it, essentially. I well, just, I just ignore it, and I'm better not to see it. And Charlotte doesn't pass the emails through. How big a team do you have down at, at Barbary now? Big team um, and a really good team as well. I'm delighted this year that you know we've um, got some new new head lads and um, staff wise. We're now virtually three lots or th just a few fourth lots, which. Not many yards are doing that, and I love it that way. You know, we, we pull out at seven o'clock, first lot, so we try and do seven, nine, and 11. Mm. And A, you're not rushing around, staff aren't rushing around, and you know, the horses are more relaxed, and you can take the time with them, and you know, after each lot, they come back and have a pick of grass and chill out for 10, 15 minutes, so it, it works well, and we've no lot, a lot of yards are anyway, but we're going to sort of one weekend and three for the staff, and they have every other Thursday afternoon off, and you know, 
I'm pleased to say that you know changes had to be made and we're getting there. And you're finding a happier workforce as a result of it? Happier workforce and therefore happier horses and probably a happier trainer, which helps. What kind of, what kind of person are you to work for? <laughs> uh, a lot better than I used to be. Yeah, hopefully all right, and I love a bit of banter, but I, I want it done right, but I also want a bit, a bit of banter, and I, you know, and, I, and I don't like rushing the horses or rushing to get them out. I just have a very set in my way. I love, everyone knows the routine, you know. We, we put out at the same time all year round, so there's no excuse for anyone being late, and it seems to work. And it's, I'm happy this year that, you know, we really have got, you know, I think we've got 45 staff, something like that at the moment, which is, which is good. A lot of good young kids coming through as well. Racing schools, that's starting to really come on well. Um, they got a bad name for a while, but I think the raw material was probably wrong. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got some very good lads that have come both through Newmarket and the Northern Racing School. I and girls, I should say. I sense a lot of optimism from you now. I think we're future. in a much better place than we've been, you know. There's a long way to go. Prize money can still be improved, but... Um, my goodness, when you think five, six years ago, it, it really was all sort of doom and gloom and attendances looked pretty good to me. And the ho horse numbers are good in, in your part of the world anyway. Yeah. I know, we're, we're, we're a sort of jocker, yeah. And just for five or six times, you, you've said, I'm better than I used to be. I'm better than I used to be. It's a, you're painting the picture of a, of a, a character who was, who was pretty fiery oh, I'm still a decade fine, ago. But yeah, probably you learned to calm down a bit. But you're a more mellow, you feel more mellow inside. <laughs> I think so. Um, I, 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 perhaps that, that reached its, its zenith when Voipal was beaten by Masterminded in the, in the game spirit at Newbury, did it? I mean, you've talked about it quite openly in the past and saying that it was a sort of moment when you realised that your sort of competitive instinct might have got the better of you and you, you sort of had to sort of rethink how you, how you approached yeah. the, the game a little bit. I, I, I suppose I just, I never had, I don't think I'd ever had the horse better. And, and um, the rumour was that Master Money wasn't that good at the time. I don't know, and he took, he took me apart. And I, yeah, I, di I, didn't, um, I didn't handle myself very well. And uh, Barry Simpson, who was a fairly difficult character in many respects, he managed for Sir Robert, but you know, he, he sort of just dragged me away. He said, come on, let's get out of here. And, um, and then Master Money completely hammered me in the, in the Queen Mother, and I went up to the team and said, look, you've got a proper horse, and I apologise. Well, Paul was grand about it anyway. I, I rang him the next morning after Newbury and said well, I didn't behave very well, and he said, well, you just reminded me of me. But, yeah, um, well, yeah. I was going to say, if anyone could identify with that, it would be, it mm. would be him, because there's no man more driven and competitive. And... Yeah. and I suppose in those days, we really were trying to, you know, challenge Paul, and yeah, it got to be at that stage, but we, we don't do it very often. So I wasn't proud of myself. And you couldn't ask for, for, for a better career, really. 1,600 winners and counting. It could be three or 4,000 by the time you... Depends how long we go on, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's the thing. We talked about it with John Gosden last week. Trainers, generally speaking, don't really stop or slow down much these days. It's sort of you just because it's so addictive. Yeah. What else would you do? You know, you know wake up some morning and you think, my goodness, it'd be lovely not to have to get up and have a lion, but my goodness, it wouldn't last long, would it? And, you know, you have a week's holiday and you sort of can't wait to get back. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.